This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Hover. Go to hover.com slash GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. A quick note for new listeners, the show is published twice a week, but each show is different. Both shows cover the latest interesting tech news. Our Wednesday show covers the latest in TV, movies, and podcasts, book reviews, our morons of the week, listener questions and feedback. The Saturday show dives into cybersecurity with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, apps, gadgets, and the latest weird stuff we find on the internet. So please make sure you check out both shows before kicking us to the curb. Little follow-up this week, Brian. Mm -hmm. Cameo, not the old rapper from way back in the day. (laughs) Uh, This is the service that lets people send little messages to friends and people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about them a couple weeks ago that they were valued at $300 million. Yes. uh, Because they were trying to raise funds. Well, they have raised $50 million more. So that brings them to $65 million that they've raised so far. Okay. At a $300 million valuation. So... Uh, it has come to pass. It has come to pass. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm not surprised. We are in a pseudo celebrity world, and uh, this gives you access to pseudo celebrities. Yeah, and some real celebrities. Like if you want Snoop Dogg to send a message, he's uh, three grand, mm-hmm. and he's an investor. So of course. that's yes. interesting. <laughs> yes, of course. They have a roster of fifteen thousand celebrities currently. Now, here's the kicker: yes. they believe they could expand to five million. Are there really 5 million celebrities in the world? There are these days. We just don't know so. who any of them are. <laughs> Everybody has their small little uh, little groups of people, right? And, um, okay. you know, all these Instagram famous people and who the hell knows, YouTube stars that I don't know who they are. There's probably at least 5 million people that could probably charge a buck or two to make, a, to make a, an announcement of some sort to someone. But, I mean, you also have to take into account local celebrities in China and India and every other Mm -hmm. country in the world that has their own celebrities. Yes. But that's a tall order to get that many people on the same platform, especially when you're kicking back 25% of your video to these guys. (laughs) Just because somebody is on their platform doesn't necessarily mean they'd be making any money. It's just signing people up. That's true. That's true. I mean, you and I could sign up. Uh, We could, I think. Actually, I think we should just for shits and giggles. (laughs) the news well we have an ongoing conversation about how uh our government just is not keeping up with big tech but at least attempts are now being made particularly senator josh howley a republican um who's been putting up a number of different uh ideas and and trying to put some bills out there unfortunately uh, rico doesn't think the first attempt is any use at all and i read through it a little bit, and I tend to agree. This is a new legislation that he has proposed, which is supposed to rid Facebook, Google, and Twitter of supposed political bias. The idea is that the federal government will strip away protections that shield these companies from being held accountable for their content that their users upload and they distribute, and will only restore those protections once the companies can prove they aren't favoring one end of the political spectrum. Well, this is a bit of the whole you're not a platform argument that you and I have all the time, so I mm-hmm. would say this is a good thing, and don't give them back the protections. <laughs> okay. Ever. Uh, and second, the, the main problem that this author over at uh, Recode has with this is the fact that, uh, as we know, there isn't any particular bias one way or the other. The bias pushes towards the extremes. Um, the way the algorithms are set up is you will see what you react to, be that uh, something that agrees with you or something that disagrees with you. And the more you interact with them, the more extreme things get. So the problem is the extremes on both the right and the left. There is no particular favor to the right or to the left. It just pushes and pushes and pushes. It's a feedback loop. That's the real issue. Yes, it's a feedback loop. And this does not address that at all. It's getting the problem wrong. Well, what we need is an anti-algorithm bill. Yes. Yes, we do. Let's go back to the old days where it was based on time. And we'll just go from there. And then, you know, if you want to find a new video, make a new search. Yes. But you know that's never going to happen. So it's not. That's, no. Another bill that Josh Hawley, Howley, Howley, 
however it's pronounced, is introducing. And this one is a, an across-the-aisle thing, also with Mark Warner, a Democrat. Uh, they are pitching a bill that will require that companies like Facebook, Google, and Amazon to disclose how much your data is worth to them, which is a very interesting idea. I would like to know that. So I'm down with this one. Uh, U.S. Digital Media Owners, which is a company that sells advertising space or time online to advertisers, such as all of the above and various, every basically any site out there that's getting traffic, uh, have released some numbers. They're expected to receive $106 billion in ad spending this year in the U.S., according to ad measurement company Zenith. So if you divide that by the number of adults in the U.S., which is about 250 million people, you get $420 a year or about $35 per month. So theory, in theory, then you'd have to pay $35 a month to replace the revenue internet companies get from advertising. In other words, an ad-free version of the internet as we know it would cost 35 bucks a month per person if everyone was paying up seems reasonable to me it seems reasonable but it'll never work <laughs> of course it doesn't work because ads no. can scale and then blah blah blah, blah. The, the article gets into a thousand reasons about why it wouldn't work <laughs> yeah it's not yeah i mean the thing is it's like okay everybody advertises it's not just it's not just these these big companies that are doing it little guys advertise too so how are you yes. gonna pay them you know you gotta slice up the pie somehow well, and, <laughs> yeah and you know we still need advertising because people still need to hawk their wares mm -hmm. it's not gonna go away and it's not. just the yeah it's just the personal data that they're selling Yes. is the part that really matters. So that's true. So we'll see how that goes. And Facebook has failed to kill a class action lawsuit over one of their data breaches. Yay. US you get five cents. Oh. You get five cents and you get five cents. <laughs> yeah. When you scale that out to 30 million people who, uh, who were affected by this breach. That would, yeah. Uh, even if they paid uh, $30 million, the lawyers take 29 of those. That leaves 1 million left. So about three cents a person. <laughs> U.S. District Judge William Alsop disagreed with uh, Facebook, saying that uh, they should be that they should be dismissed. Mm -hmm. And he said that the evidence gathering phase of the case should proceed with alacrity. And the lack of reasonable care in the handling of personal information can foreseeably harm the individuals providing the information. Further, some of the information here was private, and plaintiff plausibly placed trust in Facebook to employ appropriate data security. <laughs> From a policy standpoint, to hold that Facebook has no duty of care here would create perverse incentives for businesses who profit off the use of consumers' personal data to turn a blind eye and ignore known security risks. So well, there you have it. As Facebook's own lawyers have presented it, uh, you have no reasonable expectation of privacy or security when you signed up for Facebook. Yeah. Well, you know, the private data going out, that's a different thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. If you mark something as private, it should not be yeah, open to the it, world. Well, yeah. And, you know, not be able to be hacked. But anyway, <laughs> I love this judge also previously warned Facebook's legal team. He would authorize a bone crushing discovery process on behalf of affected users. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. What I don't love is Amazon right now. Mm -hmm. I still have not been able to figure out why they canceled my my account, my, uh, you know, affiliate account right. after being there for 10 years. So, or since like the week that they launched the program, I cannot get a straight answer out of them. And now, even better, Amazon has doubled their profits and still pays zero dollars in federal income tax. Amazing how that happens. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Trump. There you go. I mean, this is, it, it, this is actually this is criminal. This is criminal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely oh, yeah. criminal. Yet, you know, you and I probably both have deliveries coming from Amazon today. Mm, I've I've scaled back. I think I might have to go to Walmart now. Mm. <laughs> There's no better, no better. <laughs> There's just nowhere to shop that's not evil anymore. Well, no, there there isn't, and uh, I've got some more news on that front. AT and T, which promised seven thousand new jobs to get tax breaks, has actually cut twenty three thousand jobs instead. All those twenty three thousand jobs were the people that actually made my Wi Fi and my wireless phone work. Apparently, because <laughs> I, I swear, I, when I moved here, I had five bars, and now I have three. So yep. apparently, the people that hold the bars up <laughs> and, and <laughs> sitting there and hand the packets off to each other in a fire line are part of the people that got uh, shit canned. Great. Yeah. Well, they uh, they pushed for the corporate tax cut by promising to invest an additional one billion dollars in 2018, with the CEO saying that every billion dollars AT&T invests is seven thousand hard hat jobs. These are not entry level jobs. These are seven thousand jobs of people putting fiber in ground hard hat jobs that make seventy thousand to eighty thousand dollars per year. Yes, those jobs never showed up. They uh, fired a bunch more people. Oh, and they got three billion dollars extra in cash from that tax cut. And they decided to cut capital spending and kept laying people off instead. 
So a union analysis of AT&T's publicly available financial statements shows the telecom companies eliminated 23,328 jobs since the Tax Cut and Jobs Act passed in late 2017, including nearly 6,000 in the first quarter of 2019. The annual report also shows the company boosted executive pay. Of course they did. Of course they did. that after refunds, it paid no cash income taxes in 2018 and slashed capital investments by $1.4 billion. Winning! Yep. And here's the thing. Here's the reason why they can do it. There's no consequences. There's no consequences whatsoever. The fact that it had to, this, this tax cut passed Congress and Congress can't actually do anything about it now is just ludicrous. Mm-hmm ludicrous oh man these guys need to write in like you know refund clauses if, <laughs> if you don't do what you say you're gonna do the united states people want a goddamn refund we would like our check back please thank you mm-hmm. yeah and this is uh I, I swear to god big tech needs needs to change their slogan because obviously don't be evil is gone <laughs> and the new slogan should be uh you know first we break them then we pretend to fix them Right. So Google's uh, new media literacy program is now teaching kids how to spot disinformation and fake news, which and this is, you know, Google's thing that they rolled out for kids a while ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about it when it first came out and thought maybe this would be a good thing. And now they're moving into disinformation and fake news. And then next year it's going to be deep fakes, I'm sure. And this will keep going. But, you know, the best way to find disinformation and fake news is to use Google. This is true. <laughs> That's how you do it. So this is true. Let's break the world and then pretend to fix it. Or, or the Amazon model. Let's put everybody out of business and then just go back into business where they were. We can do that, yeah. too. I, I particularly enjoy the name of this uh, this particular program. It's Be Internet Awesome. Ooh, oh. That makes me feel. Whatever happened to Melania's Be Better program? That I don't know. Went nowhere. I'd like to propose a few new programs. Uh, okay. We, we, we will start them. Be Grumpy. Be yes. Suspicious. And mm-hmm. uh, be critical. That's our slogans. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Be skeptical of everything. Yes. That's how it goes. And Google is responding to an old Wall Street Journal report that concluded that there are millions of fake business listings on maps. And it's not a really that old report. It was a week, a week ago, but in Internet time, <laughs> you know, you got to blow the dust off of it. Yep. And I read the original Wall Street Journal report and it's like, OK, people are gaming maps and mm-hmm. putting businesses where they shouldn't be. And yep. this is this is as old as time. And Google has basically responded saying, this is as old as time. (laughs) It is. It it literally is. I mean, people used to game the yellow pages by 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 getting phone numbers in different area codes. So you'd think that they were local to you, but they weren't. That's what always this has been going on forever. Shocking. Just dive a little deeper, people. Yeah. Do your own due diligence, please. (laughs) So, yeah, the Googles are just saying, yeah, we've got teams that are out there doing this and they're they're playing whack-a-mole. And it's not going to get any better. The only way to really do that is to put in place uh, mechanisms for businesses to have to be verified some way physically. And, you know, they're just not. That would cost money. Yeah, they're they're not willing to do that. (laughs) The Internet is basically just whack-a-mole now. That's it. And what everybody's hoping is somehow there's going to be an AI that whacks those moles better than than we can anymore. And it's uh, always otherwise been that it's just going to be broken. Yeah. Come on. It's always been that way from the first day that the first ads were shown on the Internet. It has <laughs> been whack-a-mole. So, like I said, people are the problem. People are yes. always going to be the problem when there's money involved. People are the problem. So, I mean, good luck to Google, but just do your own due diligence always. And now Firefox is available with enhanced tracking protection by default, plus updates to Facebook container, Firefox monitor and lockwise. So I dug into this because we got some questions this week about uh, in in our feedback stuff about Firefox. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who was confused thinking that we used Firefox when we use Opera. But I I had some stuff for security for the next show about these two back to back vulnerabilities in Firefox that have been exploited in the wild that they have patched. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, they're patching those. There's all this new stuff from Firefox. So I'm like, ah, let's give it a shot. So I went and downloaded the new Firefox. God damn, that thing's fast. Really? You know why it's so fast? Why? Because it's not loading a thousand different trackers on every page load. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's what we're getting with Opera right now, too. Uh, It's not as good as Opera. I'm telling you right now, this thing is fast. Mm. And I went through the whole rigmarole of, you know, transferring everything over from opera to firefox just to test it i wasn't going to give up opera i wanted to see what how long it took to get firefox up and running as if i needed to change it to a default browser right it was under 20 minutes that's not bad 
everything worked. And they've got this new Firefox Lockwise, which is going straight after 1Password. Mm-hmm. It's free. It's cross-platform. You can use it on your phone. You can use it on your desktop. And you can use it in your browser. And it works pretty damn well, which is kind of scary. Firefox Monitor takes over the watchtower function of 1Password. So you can put in your email address, and it will let you know if your email address shows up in a data breach, which is pretty interesting. They've that's, got a lot okay. of new stuff coming out that's I'm really impressed with. And yeah. the fact that it's fast, you know, because that was always the problem with Firefox. It's like, oh, we're back. We've got all this new stuff, you know, but Firefox yeah. has quantum. And yeah, the problem with Firefox is it's just really starting to feel like bloatware. But if they've sorted out a way to make it fast with all the stuff in it, because every browser is going this way, all the browsers are basically becoming their own operating systems. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. And they're all and they're all doing their own take on privacy protection and things like that. Safari's got new stuff coming out with the next version of the OS. Mm-hmm. And I, but I got to say, man, I was I was thoroughly impressed. I did a whole bunch of notes for the show um, from my pinboard stuff, put put a bunch of stuff in pinboard, went through all of my like moving my bookmarks over, got that going. And you'll like this, Brian. This is where Opera falls down. It syncs your shit to the mobile version of the browser. Oh, God damn it. Now I'm going to have to switch browsers again. <laughs> well, give me a week. Give <laughs> me right, a week. Let me to let test you it sit out. with it. Yeah, I'll let you yeah. sit with it. Yeah, I've I've literally spent like less than an hour doing this. So give it till next week and I'll come back with a with a verdict on it. But I, I've actually it's in my dock now next to Opera and Chrome. I only use Chrome to do this show, but uh, to record the show. <laughs> I never open Chrome except for when we record the show in Zencaster. Same here. Same here. Yeah. It's the only window ever open, Zencaster. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, though. If we switch to Firefox, then we only need one browser. We don't even have to have Chrome around anymore because Zencaster works in Firefox. Well, well, okay. Yep, let me know in a yep. week. I will let you know in a week. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Hover. You need your own domain name. If not for your business, then for your family. You're just way cooler if you can drop an email address with a custom domain name instead of that old AOL.com one you're using. Hover.com slash GOG is the single best place to buy your domain name. If you've ever had to buy a domain name from any other registrar, you know how difficult it can be. Terrible user interfaces and a constant barrage of upsells make it almost impossible to even find the damn domain you're looking for. Hover has just an incredibly clean and intuitive user interface without all those insane upsells and a best-in-class customer support team. They have free who is privacy on supported domains that you usually have to pay for at other sites just to keep your private details private, not with Hover. I have had probably over a thousand domains at Hover over the lifetime of my love for them, and I have never had a problem. Not once. And I love the fact that you can just easily turn off auto renews without having to call customer service. And you get a huge discount if you have a bunch of domains on renewals for all of your domains. Starting, I think, at just 10 domains, renewals get cheaper, which is awesome. Hover has over 400 domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions. The days of having to spend a fortune on .com domains is totally over. My main domains are all new extensions because it's just the new normal. It also lets you get something more aligned with who you are as a company, individual, or family. And every month they have great sales on some sweet, sweet top-level domains. And right now you can get .online, .site, .space, and .website for just $4.99, which is awesome. These prices do change often, though, so make sure you check their on-sale page when shopping for your domain. Get started today. Go to Hover.com slash GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com slash GOG to get your awesome domain today and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com slash GOG. And we thank Hover for supporting our show because we love them. Media Candy. Oh, Spotify. Spotify. Oh, Spotify. Oh, Spotify. (laughs) Spotify and music publishers have uh, obviously been fighting back and forth for months because there is a planned royalty rate increase that would require streaming services to pay more to artists. So you can bet that Spotify is looking at those numbers a bit closely now, especially when it, um, you know, especially when the new rules apply to it. So we have heard that there are more more money is going into the buckets over at the music publishers and at the uh, record labels, which, as we've always said, is a good thing because they aren't paying a lot of money. However, Spotify is now claiming that it overpaid songwriters and publishers last year and would like their money back. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. (laughs) 
Yeah, so this all comes down from the U.S. Copyright Royalty Board decision that mandates higher payouts for streaming content. The increase, which would affect services, all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, etc., would raise royalties by 43.8% over the next five years. Spotify, which reportedly pays out 0.0062.0084 cents per stream, <laughs> split between rights holders, songwriters, publishers, etc., has fought against the new royalty rates, obviously, claiming that they would harm both music licensees and copyright owners. Complicating the matter is the complexity. Uh, that's always complex, right? Related to how discounted student and family subscriptions are treated under the new revenue plan. Obviously, you can package things and bundle things, and that screws everything up. So Music Business Worldwide is reporting that the agreement requires family plans to be counted as 1.5 subscribers per month, even though there can be up to five people on a family plan, mm -hmm. and students to be counted as 0.5 subscribers per month. So I guess if you're a student, you're half a person. Well, the funny thing about – I'm sorry. The funny thing about students is they should be like counted as five subscribers because they generally steal anything everywhere, <laughs> everything anyway. So it's – Or they're like, listening to the bulk of music because I – guarantee you when i was a student that's all i was doing i was listening yeah, to music constantly that's so. really like what you need to kind of take into account there yes so but based on spotify's calculations with the number of these different plans the company says it overpaid songwriters and publishers and they would like their money back please <laughs> but they're being very nice about it rather than collect the 2018 overpayment immediately we have offered to extend the recoupment period throughout the end of 2019 in order to minimize the impact of the adjustment on publishing companies how nice of them Jessica Jones, have you finished? I have not. I, I'm three episodes in and then I kind of stalled out because uh, Women's World Cup. Oh, man. OK, well, <laughs> you're going to have to finish soon. OK, I have to talk about it. it. We're going to have to talk about it. Trust me, as soon as you get back into it, you're not going to stop. I All did right. it in, I think, four days. <laughs> so that's 13 episodes. Stayed up way too late, but uh, was worth it. Was worth it. And on your recommendation, I tried out the chef show. I wouldn't say it was my recommendation. I just uh, mentioned it as news that it existed. I have not seen any of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, it was a real act of will to get past episode one because their first their first guest was Gwyneth Paltrow and they cooked oh, in the goop kitchen. God, I would have just skipped that one completely. Oh, uh, well, I wanted to see what the show was about, you know, because mm -hmm. he's running around with Roy Choi and doing different things. And I'm I'm of the mind now that every cooking show needs to be 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. These guys cook through so much stuff in 30 minutes. It's not very detailed. But now that I've gotten past, I've, I've gotten the goop off me, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, it's OK. I'm, right. not, I'm just not a huge John Favreau fan. I just don't like the guy. That's I was. It's funny you mentioned that because I saw you put this in and I haven't seen an episode yet. And that was going to be my I'm not sure I want to watch this. I think John Favreau is a, a, an extremely talented writer and director, but I don't like him. Like when he's on screen, I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Here's the saving grace of this show. Roy Choi. Yeah, I love him. He's amazing. He saves the show because mm -hmm. all John Favreau does is drop names and talk about being on set. And they've even got, <laughs> you know, the new Spider-Man and they've got Robert Downey Jr. in an episode. And the cooking bits when they have people that you've never heard of are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they cook some really interesting stuff and it's worth watching because it is only 30 minutes. It, right. That's its saving grace is that it's 30 minutes. I actually got through four episodes. And yeah. I would have watched another one, but it was time to go to bed because I right. knew we had the show this morning. But uh, it's good background. I mean, it, I mean, it's not even background. You can watch it. But yeah, getting that stink off the first episode was really <gasps> tough. Well, I think I'll just skip that one and start with episode two. Well, it's only part of it. It's only the first half of the first episode. So just turn it on. And when Gwyneth goops herself away into the ether, but actually you should watch it just so you can get a, a taste <laughs> of the goop. Um, cause they do make a kind of interesting, uh, pepper stew. They call it the pepper pot. Of course. Uh, of course they do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's worth, it's, it's so far it's worth a watch. Uh, it's just, I, I would like this show a hell of a lot more if it didn't have John Favreau in it. Right. New podcast that I absolutely adore is called pessimists archive. Okay. A history of why we resist new things. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was listening last night to the kids these days episode. <laughs> and a uh, spoiler alert on that one. It is literally as old as the written word. Right. Everybody hates the previous generation and yes, thinks that they're going to ruin the world. Yes, that's that's what happens. Yes. The interesting thing is, well, I mean, it's it, we can't even tell if this is the cause of it. But the written word 
is really where it starts because it's like then people started to reflect on the past more. You can but compare before that. Yeah. Yeah, you could compare what came before you as of what's now and what's in front of you. So it's like it almost rewired the human brain when when actual writing and historical documentation came around, which is an interesting side effect of of writing and what what it means. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a ton of really good episodes in here. There's only 19 so far uh, because it takes him forever to put them out because he's got like voice talent come in and things like that to do recreations. But it's uh, it's well worth the listen. They're pretty short and really, really interesting. So the, mm-hmm. it, I was going to say the pessimist. Archive. It's no, it's just called Pessimists Archive. So there will be a link in the show notes at GOG dot show slash three five six. Check that out. At the library. <laughs> so I needed a palate cleanser. 17 after mm-hmm. that latest Neil Stevenson book. Um <laughs> Actually, let me mention that since you mentioned that, let me just dive in on that really quick. I went ahead and just read the absolute last chapter of the Neil Stevenson book, (laughs) skipping the 350 pages, and uh, it ended exactly where I thought they were going to go with it. So, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) If the journey would have been fun, it could have been a good book, but the journey was horrible. So I and I knew where they were going and I confirmed where they went. And that was that. So there you go. Uh, I read one with not even quite a half of the book and got the point and didn't care much for it. Yeah. You, you did it the better way. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> say, because man, yeah. As I said before, it, the, the juice was not worth the squeeze on this one. Cause the, no. those middle pages with the quote unquote journey. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely very boring. terrible. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, audible has these audible originals that you can get every month with your subscription. So you get two free books every month. And uh, the first well, one I got was they're not free. You're paying a subscription. Well, no, but I get my I, it, it's on top of the, the books that I pay for. Right. <laughs> so you do get them for free based on their extras. You know, okay. that's the whole point. That's okay. yeah, mm-hmm. audible okay. extras. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I got the dead drink first by Dale Maharaj. Okay. And it's the story of bringing home a lost soldier from Okinawa. And took this guy 20 years of his life because it was a picture of a picture his dad used to keep in his workroom with him and his buddy. And after his dad died, he went on a quest to find out who this guy was and everything. And it it culminated in him actually finding the body through forensic evidence and all these different agencies. And they got him back and he's buried in Arlington now. Right. It's a it's an amazing story. It's only like three hours long and uh, three and a half hours long. It was really well done. I I highly recommend it. If you have an Audible account, that's a good one to pick up. Because uh, it's just a really good story. It's really heartwarming. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's a little graphic at points, but they've got interviews with like actual interviews with people who were there from the unit, you know, all the old veterans and stuff. It's pretty crazy. But they go into uh, some of the science behind shell shock and these pressure waves that these guys experience being close to these bombs going off. It's not that they were actually, you know, it wasn't like that they were terrified and had PTSD. It rewired their brain completely. Once they right. got the hit with those shock waves, something physically happened to their brain and they were not right again. Right. And they go into the science of it and it is fascinating. I'd never heard this stuff before. So even for that, it's really, really worth it. So I highly recommend it. It's called The Dead Drink First. And then I picked up Alien 3, an audible original drama by William Gibson. Yes, I was actually surprised this was released. I thought there might have been some legal stuff about it, but uh, it's oh. not. Apparently they sorted it out and uh, okay. now I know why this was never made into a movie. So <laughs> that bad, huh? It's not bad, but it's not great. That's well, neither was Alien 3, the movie. Well, so which yeah, one's I mean, worse? <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Alien 3 made up for it with the visuals because that was David Fincher's first movie. Yeah. And he really knocked it out of the park with the visuals. The story for Alien 3 all all across the board was crap. Right. You know, from the one that William Gibson wrote, which actually I think, while being more boring, is actually better than the movie. But uh, what was cool about it is they got, you know, some of the voice talent from the movies to come back. Lance Henriksen and the guy that played uh, Hicks Mm -hmm. was back. So that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, Ripley is barely in it at all. You know, and... um, there's some really interesting, you know, takes on the xenomorph that William Gibson came up with this. It, I mean, it's two hours long, so you're not going to really 
waste too much of your time and it's interesting. It's a decent listen. I gave it three stars. Excellent. So okay. It wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a one star. It wasn't a five star. So, mm-hmm. But you can really tell Lance Henriksen's really old now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, his voice really kind of kind of betrayed that. Uh, DC Comics has killed its Vertigo imprint. And this kind of saddens me. But then again, I haven't read a Vertigo imprint <laughs> for 20 some odd years. Well, as so. my wife and I always say, when a place we like closes, if you don't, uh, it's our fault for not to, for not going there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, once I was done with Sandman and Hellblazer, I, I'm like, okay, I'm grown up now. I need to go get a job and pay my bills. So no more comic <laughs> books for a long time. Uh, but yeah, it's been around for 26 years and they're just redoing everything. But I was just, you know, pour one out for Vertigo. I really, back in the day, Vertigo really w- was a game changer with Sandman and Hellblazer. And I think Swamp Thing was on there. Um, right. But it was really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. It will be missed. Excellent. And I needed a palate cleanser as well after reading the Neil Stevenson Dodge book. So I went back through our archives. I did a little bit of a search on our site. I wanted to find a book that either you had read and I hadn't yet, or maybe one of our listeners had recommended to just try to find something new. And I stumbled across Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. And I bought it. And I did the stupid thing by not looking to see how long it was because I was really hoping for just a short, <laughs> quick read <laughs> Yeah, to cleanse the palate. And uh, I am about halfway through having put in an awful lot of time. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, and uh, I see that you put a little comment in here. So uh, I yes. just looked at it and it was a uh, you had read it and uh, reviewed it quite a while back. And uh, no, I agree this with- is not this is not my this is not my review. This is the first oh. review that I found. OK, so I've not read it, but I went and looked it up. And I did see that it is 650 pages. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I love the, the comment it says original, but very depressing. Yeah, it was very well written, original and earned its awards. But it's also one of the most depressing books I've read in years. So be sure you're in the mood for a downer about hu- how human beings suck and how everything we touch is destined to end in senseless violence. So I thought I'd throw that in. There. It's 100 <laughs> percent on brand for us, Jason. <laughs> it is well written uh the characters are super interesting it's managing to fairly you know basic sci-fi and somewhat silly premises but it's so well done that you buy into it and i'm enjoying it and yes it is relentlessly humans suck okay (laughs) (laughs) but i'm really I'm, i'm halfway and i'm enjoying it so far so i'll have it wrapped up for next week's show and uh be able to tell you if i haven't killed myself from depression how how good it ended up being all right. All right. Well, I won't be checking it out till I hear the review, but uh, yeah, way to pick them, Brian. Way to pick them. I, yeah, I thought I was getting something short and light and quick. Moron of the week. I read this one over at futurism.com and it, it of course had a, uh, you know, clickbaity headline. It says science leaders. We can't stop Russians plans for CRISPR babies. And I'm like, uh oh, here what we go. A, oh, not CRISPR bacon. Not crisper bacon. Oh, if there okay. was if the, if if the Russians were making crisper bacon, bacon eat you. So <laughs> uh, this is uh, going back to the guy in China who did the crisper babies that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. and uh, the obviously what could possibly go wrong aspect <laughs> where the gene that he flipped. Yes, they're not going to get AIDS, but they're going to live ten years less than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, China. Well, it turns out one of the Russians, uh, one of he's a Russian biologist, saw that and didn't go. That guy's an idiot. He said. Ooh, hold my beer. I, hold my hold my vodka. <laughs> Let me go try that. And the problem is nobody can stop him. There no. are no there are no, you know, government agencies that can stop him. Though well, the Russians can stop him, but they're like, meh, mesky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's worrying that people can be out there doing this stuff right now. And yeah. uh yeah, Russia's is gonna have to be the one to stop him, but as we know from watching how many how many <laughs> 80s movies about Russia, all they care about are super soldiers. Yeah, super they want to make their Dragos. Exactly. Exactly. So wait for it. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> and this one I just thought was too funny. I mean, you and I, Brian, have worked. Well, you worked in one ad agency, but worked with many. a lot of yes. other ones. I have mm-hmm. worked in maybe seven or eight actual ad agencies who worked in the movie and film industry. Mm-hmm. And... This one is a head slapper for me because I know how meticulous and how detailed it is to get a movie poster out the door and how many meetings you have to have for the <laughs> slightest thing. Well, Samuel L. Jackson, God, God love him. 
God love him. He was out and he saw uh, posters for the new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. And his 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 Instagram comment was, uh, what the actual fuck is going on here? Head's going to roll. Left eye, motherfucker. Because what they did was they flopped him. Right. They they there's two posters side by side. One, his eye patch is on the right. One, his eye patch is on the left. So <laughs> the funny thing about this is there were probably 20 hours worth of meetings about the the shadows and highlights on the actual patch itself. <laughs> but nobody could actually tell the forest for the trees to figure out that it was on the wrong goddamn eye. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, nobody's going to get fired. Oh, actually, no, this is the movie industry. You get fired for anything in that business. So, <laughs> yeah, some somebody's head is actually going to roll in this one. I'm sure. That's true. But it's just it's just mind boggling how that one got through. That's insane. And we have a hero of the week or heroes Woo. of the week this week, Jason. This is over in Germany. Residents of Ostritz, Germany, bought up hundreds of crates of beer to keep it out of the hands of neo-Nazis descending on the town for a music festival. Awesome. <laughs> a Dresden court imposed a ban on the sale and possession of alcohol at the Shield and Sword Festival, which is a bunch of neo-Nazis, prompting police in the state of Saxony to confiscate more than 1,000 gallons of beer Friday and Saturday. So suspecting the festival attendees would try to buy alcohol at the local supermarkets instead, town residents reportedly bought more than 200 crates. Awesome. <laughs> the plan was devised a week in advance. We wanted to dry the Nazis out. We thought if an alcohol ban is coming, we'll empty the shelves at the supermarket. <laughs> Congratulations. Well done. And uh, enjoy the beer. Well done. I'm sure they are. Feedback loop. We've got some new Patreon subscribers. Finally. <laughs> ben, Derek, Terry, Fantastic Wolf, and John. And John writes in, worthy of a shout out? Node Cyberdump, which is a YouTube series on weekly tech research. And I went and checked out some of these videos. He does a really good job. Yeah, I watched a couple as well. Well done. Yeah, really well done. Link will be in the show notes for that. Highly recommend you check it out. And I subscribed via RSS to his website in my RSS reader. So there I'm, you go. I'm looking forward to more stuff from you, John. It was, it's well done stuff. Geeky Grump I am also writes in, hey, Grumps, I'm a new supporter and happy to do it. Saw this posted on LinkedIn. Yes, people use it. And despite some good content for most, I think I personally had a no-duh feeling throughout while reading it. I hit the techno reference understanding several years ago and used my mobile phone. Technoference. Sorry. Technoference understanding several years ago and used my mobile phone as a tool to get a job done. And the link is in the show notes. It's over at LinkedIn. We're now realizing what screen use by parents is doing to kids and it's troubling. And guess who it's by? I saw this and was a, this was a head scratcher. Ariana, Ariana Huffington. Huffington, who always comes late to the game. So no, no, no wonder you had the no dove feeling while reading it. Ariana Huffington writing on LinkedIn. Yeah. And especially since we covered this exact topic from another article about three weeks ago that was almost verbatim what she said. So well, Ariana now, Huffington has literally become her site. Mm. All she does is repackage other people's articles and post them. <laughs> and not pay them for it and not pay them for it yes so yeah ariana huffington on linkedin these are a few of my least favorite things way to go darling way to go mm -hmm. darling and Vinny <laughs> writes in not really news but this irish satirical staple waterford whisper news had a little jab at zuckerberg a delightful start to my day and it calls facebook launches own currency military hospitals and schools and it is a funny read it is a very <laughs> if you are read. if you're not following the waterford whispers news.com site uh, you should it is as good as the onion so it's always very clever over there. And uh, Jason, I think I upset one of our Patreons. Oh, Brian. That's... We got a note. <clears throat> I like the show, but I sent in feedback regarding the U.S. women's soccer team that was referenced previously and got what seemed to be a pretty rude response. I didn't read the full article, just a good portion of it, which was my fault. But the tone and dismissive response really put me off. I was just trying to give an honest rebuttal without coming across as one of those rude commenters getting all worked up because they disagree. I'm a relatively young person and always try to broaden my vision by asking questions about opposing views. I try to understand both viewpoints and adjust my opinions accordingly. This is continually getting harder because of the dehumanizing and belittling of people with opposing viewpoints. If my comment was perceived as rude, please let me know so I can change the way I write these in. Maybe it had to do with the alcohol, but it's hard for me to continually give after that response. Okay, yeah, so Cameron has pulled his Patreon subscription. and Which is fine. Yeah, 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 amen. Mm -hmm. Do what yeah. you got to do. But here's the funny part about this. Well, you write into a show where people say what they think and you don't want them to say what they think. Well, that's on you. And uh, yes, it may have had something to do with the alcohol. But I believe Brian actually quoted the article that you sent in 
as back, the evidence that it, was, yes. it, that it was wrong. <laughs> so you should have read the whole article. So you didn't do your due diligence. So that's not on us, bro. And uh, I, I, I'm sorry that uh, you feel that we were rude in the response. But, you know, read the damn article before you send us a comment about it that doesn't have the whole context. Yes, I do apologize if you felt I was rude. One of the thing I was trying to do at that point is I was actually trying to move on because this show is not about sports. And I no, know Jason. Get, and I don't know how we got stuck on this. So I, it's a hot topic. Apparently, people on both sides feel the way that they do. Uh, I'm not doing any more commentary about the pay situation with U.S. women's soccer. So I was probably just trying to move on pretty quickly. OK. And speaking of pay over at PayPal, Mark, Joe, Craig and Mark again, uh, send us some cash on PayPal. Thank you very much. And we have a new recurring subscription from Ryan. So thank you all for Bridging that pay disparity between podcasters and actual working adults. <laughs> we need to unionize, Jason. Over <laughs> at Twitter, Moss6502 writes in, just wanted to say the show has been super excellent the last couple of weeks. It's always good, but lately you guys are on fire. Thanks. Well, thank oh, you. God. We're on fuego. Great. Mm. Right Film Sleep Repeat writes in, the machines are turning as you predicted. And this is a link to Twitter about... Uh, a gentleman who had his first bird ride and then one minute into the ride, the scooter had a mechanical malfunction. The wheels locked up and he went uh, ass over tea kettle and it's a picture of his <laughs> bloody hands. So, yeah, I got to tell I, you, though, Brian, I, now that I'm playing the, that Harry Potter game, I got to walk around the neighborhood a little more. I almost got plowed down by a guy on the sidewalk, no helmet, riding a bird flat out. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things where I just want to start carrying a paintball gun with me so I can shoot these people <laughs> with paintball guns at least since i can't shoot them with real bullets uh, i stabbed you with my bullets uh but man i mean it was scary how fast this guy was going it's like if he'd have hit me it would have been a mess it would have well, been I've, a mess i've got some bad news for you jason because santa monica's venice area seems to be the uh, on the bleeding edge literally of these kind of uh, transport situations the birds aren't even the biggest problem here anymore i haven't talked about these because i i have a bit of bird fatigue but yes. now there now there are sit down scooters that people are renting and they go faster and they're bigger and they're heavier. I've seen those. Yeah, I've seen those. They yes, are I've got everywhere yeah. here now and it is even more dangerous and more annoying than the birds were. Great, great. Yeah. Birds so 2. Look forward Scooter to that everyone. <laughs> Karthik writes in, thanks for mentioning the Cody issue out here on this side of the pond. We British do have a license for TV which thanks to the BBC is not given to other broadcasters and also cover any live TV British or otherwise if it's streamed through a UK ISP. Whether you use a VPN or not, unfair. And he also writes in that porn check is a plan with failure to launch as most people are worried on privacy bomb and no, no Brit accent. I recommend something like IT Crowd UK or comedy like Ear of the Rabbit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Discord writes in, I was just about to tweet that in your mea culpa about citing LeVar Burton as data. I thought you mispronounced Brent Spiner's last name. I double checked myself and it turns out you had the correct pronunciation. I've been wrong my whole life. Hey, we got something right. <laughs> yeah, we got something right. Yes, Brent Spiner. I, we did a meeting with Brent Spiner at the first company that you and I worked at together. That's so right. I, that's how I knew how to say his name because I had mm -hmm. to. We met him. Say, yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice gentleman. Wacky yes. do, but nice gentleman. Yeah. He's very funny on Twitter. You should follow him, actually. Oh, I'll check uh, him out. Yeah. Third in command writes in, hey, Jason, Instagram copyright courtesy of at pop bitch. You should subscribe. And this is a link to uh, the Instagram copyright. Oh, it's an interesting little <laughs> bit about people who are going after people who are, you know, stealing shit on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, trying to get their money back. And I love this. Mariah Carey's people are dutifully working their way through a backlog of social media users who used all I want for Christmas in their their Christmas <laughs> memes and are still issuing takedown orders in the middle of June. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good luck with that. Good luck with that one. Over at GOG.show, Brooke writes in, as someone who has slapped himself in the face with many a rock trying to use a centrifugal slingshot as a kid, what can go wrong here? And this is a link to stealth startup Spin Launch raises $40 million for radical new launch strategy, which is basically slingshotting shit into space. Yes, I, I do enjoy this. Spin Launch has the potential to be a highly disruptive for launching small and medium sized payloads. I don't want anything that's launching small or medium sized payloads to be disruptive. Yeah. <laughs> I would like it to just work. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but Brian, it's uniquely positioned against traditional rocket-based methods for space launch. Okay. <laughs> yes, and because they are a stealth launch, we don't really know how it's going to work, but the basics seem to involve accelerating the launch vehicle to hypersonic speeds using ground-based electricity. All right, okay. Hyperloop, oh. and then they just put a ramp at the end. <laughs> I guess so. It's kind of like a Hot Wheels. 
Oh, my seems goodness. to be the deal. Uh, yep. Peter writes in FIFA was summed up best by John Oliver and now FIFA, an international crime ring which occasionally organizes soccer matches. Yep. This is true. Cameron writes in, <laughs> I found this book while searching articles on I hate my job, but like my work. And it's a book called Default. And it's a book called Developer Hegemony. Hegemony. I, I fucking practice this one. God damn it. Developer Hegemony. Huawei. 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 <laughs> the Future of Labor by Eric Dietrich. I look at this. It looks really interesting. It might be one of my next reads. Uh, but Cameron, I do hope you were doing this search on your work computer with a VPN on. Because otherwise oh, yes. you might be finding yourself getting a pink slip before you're ready to quit. Yes, but I can still say ubiquitous, damn it. I can't do that one either. I always screw that one up. I don't know why. It's insane. Hegemony! Hegemony! (laughs) Ian writes in, I'm curious if you've heard of Neighbor.com, as I do not recall it being mentioned on the show. I think it originated out of Utah, as do all good things. A state where everyone (laughs) is just trying to make a quick buck by offering to rent empty space in your home to store your neighbor's belongings. In the vein of what could possibly go wrong, I'd figure I'd ask you what you thought of the concept. Seems like the prelude to a serial killer story or creepy nefarious headline at least here's to more platforms and subscriptions stay grumpy oh this is awesome yes neighbor.com is where you actually use your neighbor's space to store your shit instead of going to like a private security or storage company you know like uh like normal people would do they're disrupting the storage industry jason they are they are and like i was looking through it it's like hey i've got half of my plastic uh storage shed in my backyard if you want to put some stuff in it <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to put all my belongings in your storage shed. This reminds me of a, a concept called neighbor goods that my friend Mickey Krimmel did way back in the day when she was trying to crowdsource things in the neighborhood where um, it's like, okay, I've got like a saw and you can come rent my saw for like three bucks or I can just loan it to you if you want to. So it was a whole big thing. Yeah. Failed miserably, failed miserably. Yeah. But it comes back to one of the things that we talked about earlier with Google Maps and businesses she required you to actually verify where you live. So what would happen is you'd go and put in your address and she would go to the post office with a with a postcard and mail it to you with a code on it. And then you would get the postcard, you would type the code in and voila, you were verified. Seems like a pretty easy concept that Google might be able to replicate for businesses that have you know, location-based stuff. I'm just saying it seems like, you know, it seems like this is a, a is a not insurmountable problem. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Her concept might've been wrong, but the, I, she should have patented the whole postcard with a unique code thing. Cause then she'd at least be rich now, but uh, getting back to neighbor.com. Yeah. I've met my neighbors. No, they're a bunch of panty sniffers. I'm not putting my shit in their house. No, I'm not taking their shit into mine. That's for Ex- sure. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you just want to hold this baggie for me for a little bit? <laughs> Promise. There's nothing bad in There's it. There's nothing in it. Uh, Ryan writes in, hey, Jason, Brian, and hopefully Dave. Well, sorry, Dave will not be here this week. Uh, started by exploring programming, but I think I missed that wave. Now, like others in the hive mind, I'm exploring cybersecurity, especially once I learned more about data breaches and other fuckery afoot. After some research, I discovered that becoming a network engineer is a good place to start. After a little more research, I found doubts over the role of the (laughs) network engineer in the near future with regards to automation. Feels like the next door is already closing as I just got to this room. Without experience, should I even bother with cybersecurity or programming? Maybe just go back to school for computer science and see where things are when I've got more experience? I know you're not career counselors. I apologize. But with your experience and foresight, maybe you have an idea of where we are going based on where we're at. Thanks for what you guys do. I genuinely wish I would have started listening years ago. At least I'm here for the vindication. <laughs> Robot mechanic. That's what you're going to want to be. <laughs> Robot. <laughs> That's mechanic. where it's going. <laughs> oh, um yeah, there's I mean there's tons of stuff in programming. Network engineer probably, well, a one of the most boring jobs in the world. Yeah, snooze fast. Oh my god. At least with cybersecurity you're like hunting the bad guys. There's at least, you know, there's a lot of creativity in cybersecurity and yeah. like, like we've mentioned many times, it's got a hundred percent employment rate right now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get a job, you can get certified on your own online in a couple months and at least get a, like a low level job and then learn on the job because they're yeah. trying to put asses in seats right now. 
But look, we, we don't really know anything about your specific situation. You did mention the maybe going back to school. If you have that ability, if you're able to do that, uh, if you don't have to be out there making a living and paying the rent and all that sort of stuff right now, you cannot go wrong with going back to school for computer science and then seeing what kind of strikes your uh, strikes your fancy while you're there that you could focus on. Uh, uh, I would highly recommend doing that if you can. See, I, you and I disagree completely on that. I think <laughs> I everything else is happening in the real world and you can get trained up in the real world without incurring student debt and actually get paid to do it. And you can take the computer science on your own time that you if you want to get deeper into a topic. I just figured it was more of a better way for him to kind of see the whole field and see what is more of interest to him. I, I think you're better off doing something and pursuing something that you you actually enjoy as opposed to something that has the highest employment rate. I don't know. I mean, how that how's that uh, music degree working out for you? Because you were interested in that at one point, weren't you? <laughs> well, the music industry went away. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I, cybersecurity is not going away, but also programming in general is not going away nowadays. I mean, first thing you should no. definitely start to do is if you just want to dip your toes in Python, learn Python. It is it, it is literally the language that everybody uses for everything nowadays. It's so. the language of A.I. Yes. The language Franca. So and and automation and robot programming and mm -hmm. everything else. I mean, Python is pretty much the general tool that everybody uses. So never saw that one coming, but me either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, <laughs> over at iTunes, we have a five star rating from let's see. Sleep too little. It says hopeless. In my world, I started to cheer up about the future that my wife told me about these guys. I find myself listening to them more than anything other podcasts I subscribe to because they are me. I'm back to my gloom and doom self wishing for one hellacious EMP to thin the herd. Sucky Zucky is a good start. Stay <laughs> <Sucky> grumpy. <laughs> I need some kind of hopelessness to look forward to. Always happy to help. Yes, looking forward to the hopeless future. <laughs> Love it. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. Make them short if you want to get them read. We don't want another Neil Stevenson novel. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. And if you're listening to this in the overcast player, please click those stars. We the New York Times has pulled ahead of us again, but we're still ahead Damn of it. the accidental tech podcast. But Woo! you know, we're number three. <laughs> We're number We're three. Number three. We're number We're three. Number three. Closing shout outs. And I don't want to talk about the pay disparity, but I have been thoroughly enjoying the Women's World Cup so far. A lot of the games have been great, and we're up to the uh, quarterfinals and knockout stages now, so they've all been really good. Well done. It's been a great, as much as I hate FIFA, it's been a great, great run so far. So looking forward to it. Is this shit going to be over soon so you can get back to Jessica Jones? Uh, it's over on the 7th of July is the final, oh, but they're all slowing God. down now. It's not like three games a day anymore. Okay. Okay. I'll well, get to Jessica Jones. And my closing shout out is to the late great Anthony Bourdain. We miss him a fucking lot. The only cooking show that should be an hour. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of the sad state of affairs. Yes. <laughs> Anthony leaves us. We get fucking John Favreau. This, the world is not fair. The world is not fair. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geese. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 356. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Be grumpy. Generally speaking, when you walk through the lobby of a nice hotel with a big reeking bag of fast food, people look at you like, you know, you're low class or, you know, why are you bringing that in here? We do have a restaurant. No, nothing but love and admiration. Even from the staff, they're like, good going, sir. Nicely done, sir. Excellent. I would like to be eating that right now.